Hi, this is Janesh. And this is Pranab. You're tuned in to the 30-Minute Hustle Podcast. The 30-Minute Hustle is a community of performers with a story to tell. We believe that each individual has a distinct path towards achieving their goals and are obsessed to learn about their process. As a platform to bridge the gap between knowledge creators and seekers, we hope your journey will inspire you to accelerate your growth. Welcome to the network of knowledge, mindset and practice. Hey everyone. In this episode, Pranab and I are speaking to Madhuvanti Sandeep Kumar, or just to keep it easy, we call him Madhu. Madhu is and has been a dear friend of mine for a couple of years now. We actually met in Bombay a few years back through a common friend, and have been in touch ever since. When I told Madhu a few months back about this idea of a podcast, she was super excited, and we thought, who better than Madhu to start things off for us? Madhu finished her bachelor's in fashion design in Singapore and went to Italy to complete her master's in fashion management. And while she was completing her master's, she also co-founded the Postbox in Chennai. She then went on to be the design director at Taxi Fabric in Mumbai and now is heading brand at Caraclean India. I'm going to let her do all the talking. So Thanks for tuning in, and we hope you enjoy our first ever episode. All right, welcome to the thirty-minute hustle. Madhu, hi. What's wait, up? wait, I need uh, one second. Hi. Hey, hey, Madhu. Hi. Nice to have you. After a lot of stalking I've done for you, <laughs> and super excited to host you on the thirty-minute hustle where. we deconstruct world class performers and athletes in their individual professions world class i don't know but cl- uh, <laughs> <laughs> for myself but uh, i'm just so happy to do this with you guys thank you so much for being here and spending your time as well so tell me a little bit about yourself madhu and uh, your background and your foundation genesis <laughs> so this <laughs> I'm already tired thinking about <laughs> it, but <laughs> but yeah, what started as uh, for me um, some kind of love to do fashion writing turned into uh, me applying for fashion design, and from then I've sort of just gone into various things: branding, communication, and product design. and uh, all this basically just to explore how design can be used as a medium to communicate mm-hmm. and i think everything just sort of stems from there you know um to give more concrete details um yeah i've done design and i've also done masters in luxury brand management oh wow but um during that time is when uh i started uh, my first at that time it was a project in my head uh and now it's a brand but i started the post box along with my mom and uh, another friend and it just was such an incredible journey that entire 
part of you know because i never thought i'd get into it so deeply so postbox started as again just to collaborate with designers and artists and put it on products and monetize their work but it turned into a product design uh, brand itself you know and now i guess postbox is all about leather products Mm-hmm. so from postbox i moved to um doing two very very incredibly insanely uh uh hectic projects taxi fabric and design fabrics and that's when i met janish also in bombay and i think he has seen the hustle more than anyone else you know that time <laughs> how it used to be but yeah um taxi fabric was a public art project um and design fabric and editorial a digital editorial platform for south asian artists and designers and all based in mumbai so i moved to bombay at that time in 2017 and uh, post which bombay just became home for me and then i found my footing in caritlin 2 years ago and ever since then i've sort of just been in that and now i relocated to chennai So, yeah, yeah it's been a whole lot of moving around uh different countries different cities different jobs and like every day is like you know every minute would involve me doing different things from suddenly looking into finances i'd be like doing design approvals and then yeah it was just like and managing vendors so at one well, point i was like yeah, yeah i don't know what i'm doing <laughs> well that's why we uh, we our guests are called world class performers here and yeah so so uh, so madhu like 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 you gave us like a broad thing of what you like to do and where you're at but i mean i see you as a person who at a very young age understood what she wanted to do um where she wanted to be and sort of went in that direction and you did a lot of things at a very young age to i mean you got out of the college and started postbox and and whatever but i want to go back to like after school how how did that process itself happen like was it because of influence from home or was it like influence of like friends what got you into fashion or design and and then where that journey sort of like took you into branding and yeah i think um I remember this question was asked in my entrance exam in college you know that Questions why fashion design <laughs> sort of knew I wanted to do fashion design and that's because I've grown up with fabrics I've grown up with uh, my mom she take us uh, to buy fabrics and we all got our clothes made a lot in chennai and we got it done by this auntie who was uh, uh, designing for fab india So I'd spend a lot of time at her workshop, you know, when I was like eight and nine at that time. And fashion magazines, like she'd have this stack of fashion magazines. So that's when, like, so much of my memory of design comes from that little workshop. And I think I've in my head, like, I would just be sitting and scribbling illustrations. It was never good. It's horrible. But uh, I just felt like I could always. talk about myself through clothes so when in by 9th 10th i was like yeah this is what i want to do i want to do uh, by then i learned that it has a term and it's called fashion design and uh, i spoke to my parents about it my mom was obviously very excited but my dad was still like you know um he wanted me to be sure because it's something that 
uh, at that time it was looked at as a very glamorous thing not everyone was doing design you know like 12 years ago to uh, uh, tell your parents you want to do design it was still a very like untouched uh, uh, area so it took a while but uh, we had some friends in singapore doing design in, at nanyang and my dad was about just like you know if you want to do fashion design then don't do it from india because it's just like it's done very differently here so maybe you should then look at singapore and uh, i i started writing a lot around that time i think when i was 16 is when i really started writing and writing for me was a, it came from a very personal space and um, what i do is i look at fashion shows and i just start writing about them and in a way reviewing it and i had a monthly allowance to buy vogue which at that time to spend 100 rupees every month on a magazine was like what but uh, you know you get anand vigadan and kumudam for like Yeah. 5% <laughs> of that money so um i just sit for hours and cut out and uh i realized i wanted to do fashion journalism but just as a way of understanding that world better because there's so many conversations happening in fashion you know and i wanted to be a part of that conversation i wanted to start a conversation so design then happened because i thought okay cool if i want to write about it then i rather learn how it's done so at least my foundation is strong so yeah just yesterday uh, someone asked me you know what is it for you is it design is it content is it social and i was like for me anything that allows me to communicate uh, i think at that point in time if design is giving me that uh, platform to communicate i use design if uh, writing gives me that i use writing if instagram gives me that i use instagram so uh slowly after all these years i've come to realize that for me it's about communication and not and whatever medium enables that i go for it at that point uh postbox the pro- the product i was designing and uh, putting out there was a medium of communication for me like why should products be so expensive and why can't we just have um good homegrown materials being used and being affordable you know so that was a point i was trying to make with the product so yeah um and branding happened because i always knew i wanted to start my own thing i was way too bossy from a very early age <laughs> so for the longest time i felt like shit i don't think i can ever work with someone yeah, uh, yeah i've seen your bossy side <laughs> <laughs> So, so uh, yeah, I, Madhu, I would I, I want to go back to what you just explained to us a little bit to take it back. So you were talking about your support system and you know how uh, design and design thinking and you know fashion design and textile was something you inherited from a very young age, right? So talk about your support system from early on. How it was different from a regular kid you see in your own friend circle? How was it different for you? I don't know uh, how different but definitely I think a support system is for me my family first and foremost especially uh, my mom because uh, she was there through it all I think I got it from her design so she sort of always understood the uh, that entire world of art and design and everything and from there to joining uh, 
post box with me and like really running it on the ground when i was in milan studying uh, she's been a been a huge part of it all you know and um it took me a while to realize that she is my support system because i always just took it for granted but uh, yeah i think when i think of support system it is her first and foremost but um also my father because i don't think it's easy for dads to see their daughters especially you know uh go through a lot of struggle uh like my lows were hard hitting lows you know and a mother she's very strong like for a mom it's very easy not easy but she's still uh, emotionally equipped to take on uh, any challenge that her family is facing but for a father when it comes to his daughter i still think it's very difficult for him to watch her go through that you know the first instinct is to just protect and uh, it took a lot i think for him to just take a step back and be like i will be there to support and you can go through what you're going through without hand holding me through the entire process so i think that was incredible that they just sort of let me go through it i cannot imagine how difficult it would have been for them mm-hmm. but also the fact that i have a twin sister who just managed that side of it for them <laughs> you know uh, she was always that link between me and my friends me and my parents me and anyone she's always been that link because i was just so immersed in my own world that i don't think i ever paid attention to these relationships and bonds that you know that was actually supporting me and giving me that nourishment at that point but she was there to remind me that you know all this wouldn't happen if we are not there like she says it as it is so she would never mince her words um yeah so i think that was very very important and my grandparents very interestingly they played a big role in uh, my early start because i had started this like the uh, my co-founder being a guy it's not usually like okay you're 21 you started something and then suddenly you're saying you're coming back from milan to do this and then you're also running it with a guy you know people really think a lot about these things especially when you come from a south indian uh, family right uh, but my grandparents were i think they supported it more than anyone else did my grandfather set up a lot of my supply chain my vendor management he would take care of orders and because there's a lot of textile work involved and like they live in e road so he really sort of managed all of that you know and uh, they would take a lot of interest i think for me that uh, grounded me a lot that they they accepted it and they were also supporting it i don't think many grandparents really come forward so actively they'll give you your blessing their blessings but these guys were active yeah and you know, uh, many times what you're saying is right we kind of take like family as support system for granted right yeah 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 we just feel like yeah that's their duty that's their responsibility but i don't think it's really fair to just be like yeah i will mess up and screw up whenever i want to and you just have to be there to help me clean up yeah that's um, not fair too yeah. that's not fair at all and for the longest time i was on that path where i just keep screwing up one after the other and i wouldn't acknowledge it at all so today like i've come to a place where 
I I realize that it's a two way street. It can't always just be one way, and uh, you need to take care of them. And only then will they be a lot more equipped to take care of you, friends or family both. So so what I was gonna say is that you know I think what is key is something that I realize very late in my life is uh, um, good communication. with family members is is extremely important because we're born with our own nature and 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 we expect like family to understand anything and everything right for on what yeah. we go through but we had once i mean once i became an adult enough for me to understand and and be aware about the fact that you know yeah. it's not that they will understand anything and everything you need to also make an effort to communicate with your parents with your like extended family to make sure that you know even if it's like hard decisions that you're telling them uh you need to be yeah. enough for you to like sort of communicate it to them and make sure that they understand yeah. and the yeah. advantage is that their family i mean end of the day they they might go through like their own phase of yeah. like anger and then they realize that you know it's it's they are support system yeah yes yes i think uh, showing up for one another and communication is very very key and the friends i cannot even begin to start on you know how my friend circle has sort of remained because not everyone i feel like i'm just very blessed tachot to have the kind of friends that i do because i've been like a proper ass to them you know like completely ignoring them and ghosting whenever i felt like and i would just janish knows like i just suddenly vanish i never uh, yeah whatever but they've still always been there So well, I think it's uh, very important to acknowledge that. Yeah, yeah. So Madhu, like, tell us about like how you started Postbox when you were twenty-one, and you were in Milan when you started. Um, yeah. And, yeah, yeah. So how did that happen? <laughs> so I was graduating and uh, from Singapore, and at that time I'd already applied for my masters. I got my acceptance on the day of my graduation show. So I was very thrilled. but uh, at that point i was going through a series of uh, interviews where you know people would keep asking me which major fashion house have you worked with and and for me that question felt very unfair i did work with a lot of them but i still felt like at 21 you cannot already expect someone to have achieved especially designers and artists because their life is a lot more difficult mm. pay is not so high you don't have placements happening there are very few colleges like in india i think we have four colleges that actually focuses on art and design and um, in singapore you have only three so again i was like this is very unfair you know this sort of a question so i got thinking about is there even a platform for these young artists and designers where they get a chance without being questioned on how many internships have you done what is your experience like just purely based on their talent is there a platform for that and um, that's how postbox came about you know um that's when i was like maybe i should just have like a platform where i collaborate with 18 19 years old uh, designers and put out their work on say five different four five different products mugs notebooks whatever and sell it and i won't sell it for a high amount just like for a very minimal amount and uh, and give pay them something i take a commission whatever i didn't think through details 
I just knew I wanted to call it postbox because postbox for me was always like uh, that link of communication again. You know, at a time when nothing existed, it was there and something that people look looked forward to. So uh, that's how postbox started, and uh, one fine day it kicked off extremely well. And I was back from I came back from Milan because I was like, this is doing well, and I have to be there for this. um and that's when I, i remember i was looking for a laptop bag to carry to work this is a true story i'm not making it up and uh, it was so freaking expensive i had no money to uh, pay like 8 grand for a laptop bag so i was like let me just make something you know so got again at that time it was aman mino valuar kotam in chennai you have these exhibitions so we had gone for that saw some ikat fabrics and picked up one or two and made a laptop bag out of it and it looked good we were like let's just put it up on the website and see that's how i, I that's how i got associated with postbox even before we mm-hmm. met like i bought yeah. the like i loved it like it was leather and ikat right yes. so right when yes. i shifted to bombay i was looking for a laptop bag and i was like cool this is really cool and and like it was like a fashion statement for me when i went into work yeah. and they were like oh, this is yeah. cool like where do you get it and and um yeah that time we never met and uh, yeah i mean i really enjoyed that bag yeah and then once we finally met then i told you that i bought the bag also <laughs> yeah. yeah that laptop bag i think was the game changer we called it bread and butter and uh, we had five pieces with us the day we launched and we sold 75 pieces within one hour of going live and uh, i remember calling up this ikat guy and he was in some village in andhra and he wasn't picking up my call and i was like i need this fabric i need like 100 meters of it asap in chennai and he, he was like i have 10 meters or some chindi amount he told me at that time i was like how the hell am i going to fulfill all these orders with some 10 meters you know and yeah that's when business really started kicking in uh bread and butter was a game changer i think till date there are va- variations of it on the at the store yeah that's how uh, it changed we pivoted into product design and that we needed more money to pay more vendors like uh, him and uh, that's when we started looking for funding and uh, that took another whole year and a half and i don't remember designing anything during that time it was just purely like Funding uh, work that I was involved. And who are you, who are you pitching to, and who are you raising funds from? Who was I not pitching to? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, tens and thousands of people, and I don't. I I I've lost count. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, do tell us a little more about your fundraising stories, and you know, if if you have any instances there, and and did you end It's up raising funds? yeah yeah i think that was a very fulfilling uh, journey um it was a whole year and a half of just like meeting people and i had no clue how this even worked because um i gave up math in like 10th grade <laughs> I, i was like i can't do this what is this even i can i have an basic relationship with numbers you know that's all but i had a very strong sense of why we're doing uh, what we did but um, yeah it started with my dad introducing me to a couple of his uh, people in his network who were a part uh, they were a part of 
a bunch of you know uh, venture capital funds and um, through that network one thing led to another and they would introduce me to a bunch of people so starting from i think uh, from family and friends to mr ratan tata i met everybody in that process and pitch too so it was great like just sending cold emails and being like you know um, we're doing this but i don't think we can be uh, we will be able to do this tomorrow and that's why we need your money like i've sent out emails like that how uh, old were you when you were doing this 22 and the funding thing started i was 22 yeah you know it's it's uh, it's i think it's crazy cuz at 22 you just went in and dove in right and i'm sure yeah. you got like super learning from that and of course at like 22 i'm sure you had a lot of like really bad falls also from there yeah and then yeah. that was like a like a really good time when you're when you sort of like just do it and you're at the age and you don't like don't know much so you're not really yeah. worried not overthinking also exactly you know that point of not knowing much i think that's what protected me also because i didn't really like i had no idea how any of this worked you know i just went for it i was like i need this money we can't keep taking our cash from family and we need it now we we also had a team of people we had a second office we had salaries to pay and we needed to grow so i was like whatever it takes to just get that money in the bank account and i think that's all that mattered uh, to me so whatever learning it took like i was sitting at my auditor's office and learning actually like about taxations and every day 2 to 3 hours i just be sitting in her office you know and getting one mathematical lesson on how things are done and then to sit and negotiate um, with investors on you know equity and how much you want to dilute and stuff like that it was a massive 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 learning like i'd go to bed having everything secured uh, and ready to sign papers and wake up next day morning with email saying sorry we were pulling out and you know you go through the entire cycle of then getting them back on board so yeah i think uh, it was a huge learning and what i learned uh, the most is resilience i think it made me a very very resilient person it taught me how to say no because after meeting the first set of people i also realized that um, sometimes the other person is ready to put in money but then you have to ask yourself a question is this the person i want to be building this with so there have been times when i have also sort of politely just said no i don't think i want uh, your money on the table and just like stood up and walked out so it takes a lot to do that especially when i know i have to pay a bunch of salaries tomorrow and this could have helped but uh yeah saying no i think that was the first time in my life i had ever said no to someone so it taught me this and it uh, really taught me to believe in like what i do because there are people telling you day in and day out that this is not going to work so that was like one of our like very uh pertinent questions that we sort of ask people is that um, in the last 5 years what have you got gotten good at saying no to like distractions invitations and and what do you realize from saying no yeah, yeah it's still uh, difficult for me um, but i think it 
you know at at some point you just have to start prioritizing for yourself and uh, once you start seeing the benefits of that you sort of hold on to that feeling right so um i i had a coach with me two years ago i started seeing a life coach and uh, i told him like one of my biggest problems is just being able to say no you know consistently i do it but i don't do it enough so he said madhu even if you're saying no to a very small thing like someone has called you for coffee and you're like no just write it down whether it's on your phone or a little pocket book whatever just write it down and write down how you feel at that point and keep reading that read that every morning and every night and that list once it starts growing it will come to you naturally so i started doing that and and then it started coming to me because i would just keep reminding myself of that feeling you know um and i also realized that some people get offended when you say no and they're just not the right people either they understand and come back which is great because then i know that we are on the same page but um, if you're not able to understand why i've said no and you're still pushy about it then i don't think like uh, we're right for each other so uh, it's helped me sort of declutter my life in terms of people also in that sense because mm-hmm. i'm a, i'm very social right so i have like 6000 7000 people at any point <laughs> i can speak to and uh, yeah it gets confusing <laughs> and uh, so how was your transition from your first startup to your second company what was it like i leaped into it like i just jumped from postbox to taxi fabric and uh, it was again because it was very similar to why i started postbox so i was very clear on how i wanted to uh, do it with my partner then um but uh, it was difficult because it was a new city and it's bombay and bombay is such a difficult place to live in so i think bombay that entire experience made me tough till then i was still very uh, very very fragile like i had a fragile ego i had uh, a bloated ego also so both didn't help uh, but bombay and that entire experience when you're seeing that every single thing is just like survival of the fittest uh you really learn to toughen up you know uh you're seeing everyone hop in and hop out of that local and everyone's just hustling i think uh yeah that was my biggest takeaway from uh taxi fabric that it just made me very very tough as a person and also made me realize um how and why people come to you you know uh yeah everyone loves to be associated with someone at some point uh, but that doesn't mean you know it's friendship so how much of me do i want to be giving to people um, all of this is very important i feel when you're building something especially because i feel like as entrepreneurs you just end up pouring yourself into everything and everyone there is no uh, there is no line drawn at all right but that's the very same thing that sort of starts pulling you down also so i think that's when i slowly started realizing that i can't be doing this with everybody you need my help i'll help but i don't think i can do like the entire pouring myself bit you'd rather take that energy and put it into where you're actually seeing benefits and impact mm-hmm. 
So, but so, uh, but uh, tell us more about like design and taxi fabric because I think it's super interesting for people who don't know. Uh, we would probably put a link down here to show what uh, uh, taxi and design fabric yeah. does. So yeah, tell us a little bit more. Like like I remember like meeting you when you came to Bombay. Um, like we had never met. We met through. We yeah. got connected through a common friend, and then we we met at uh, at that point of time. Uh, maybe even now, but Bombay had a lot of like these design events happening, design talks, yeah. master classes yeah. happening, and yeah. Taxi Fabric and Fabric was also doing a lot of events, which was super interesting. Yeah. And and yeah, I mean, I think that also so, sort of like taught you a lot. I could see that yeah. and molded a yeah. lot. What was your takeaway from Taxi mm-hmm. and Design Fabric? Yeah, I think the first thing for me was what hit me hard was that. Uh, Bombay was a city where I knew only two, three people, like the partner, uh, Sankit, who I worked with. But apart from that, I had to build it from scratch, my entire network. And Taxi Fabric is entirely community-driven, was entirely community-driven. So uh, it taught me to network in a much more efficient manner. And uh, I did lose the plot at some point initially. But I got back on track. And by lose the plot, I mean, you mistake networking for, you know, uh, building an entire uh, network of friends also. So then I started, like, differentiating between the two. Um, So, yeah, it taught me to network efficiently. It uh, taught me to do 10,000 different things in five minutes. It was incredible because in, in Bombay, that's how it works. You know how that city functions, right? At, um, and every minute is a, like, it's a time bomb. It's just ticking and it's ticking and it's ticking. Like, there is no rest at all. Um, and to, and also, I don't have, like, a cushion to come back to, right? It was all like you go back home and it, it does get lonely at some point. But it also then taught, that very same thing taught me to also just be by myself whenever I needed that. Um, and uh, yeah, I think just in terms of how to build a community-driven project, I think that's what I learned the most. Like there's so many nuances to building that. It's, it's not just about bringing people together. You're bringing so many different dynamics together. There's a lot of ego play involved it's very sensitive people come from different cultures they come from different backgrounds and you have very, to know. very well accomplished artists who you were working with coming same like coming from different backgrounds different situations yeah. different uh, yeah. different art forms yeah and not everyone enjoys that position of privilege that i did also you know so it's it's really about how do you and you're bringing all of them together how do you ensure that you're not offending people in that process also, you know, because it's so sensitive, right? Um, and I think today when I'm in this business of like, which is consumer facing uh, business, I'm able to understand that better because it teaches you to be a lot more empathetic as a person. And uh, sometimes you'd struggle with the fact that I'd, be, I'd just be frustrated. I'd be like, no, but why should I say this? Or why should I even like, be okay with this but you know you put yourself in their shoes and then you start thinking like that and it's fair everyone like you have to be fair to people um especially especially when they're giving you your bread and butter so 
yeah i learned to be a lot more empathetic at that point uh do you take that back to work and with your colleagues as well yeah yeah and See, uh, for me you know pranab i've always uh, struggled with this because i started out so young i and i've worked with people who are much older than me who always had a lot more experience than i did but in some way i was still because i was leading it uh that structure itself made people uncomfortable like so you're a girl and then you're much younger so uh i just had to be a lot more empathetic in those situations because initially i was like but dude this is mine you know that that young brash ego was so high in me at that point but then i was just like no madhu you need to understand that they've been in this for 15 years and that's how old you are right now so you need to sort of give that to them yes i, I face this every day at work cuz uh, i'm the youngest guy in my in my company yeah. as well and be, yeah. being in the leadership role it is extremely difficult yeah. but i'd rather be the dumbest person in the room than the smartest person cuz cuz you're learning so much more and yeah. um so tell me about your work culture like you know how do you delegate and uh, how do you manage your team at caraclean so uh luckily caraclean it's a mad mad place to work at so all the mad hatters are here i see and uh, uh while there is a structure to things it's also very open in terms of you know if you want to try out different things you can try out and just because if someone's doing content doesn't mean they can also dab their hands in creative or someone at creative can also write content it's very open like that because we just leave it for exploration but uh, with my team i work with a very young and small team that manages social communication uh, marketing and um, i also look into pr but um, yeah it we pretty much just uh, work try working together as much as possible so it's not like social is separate and uh, product writing is separate and uh, retail is separate it doesn't work like that because caraclean is also so omni in nature that everyone needs to be talking the same way because our customer journeys are such it's not like we have store only customers and online only customers so um, that that was the most interesting part for me because i've never done something like that before for me everything's always been digital um so i got to learn and i'm still learning so much about how retail works and how omni as such works and we're scaling up uh, uh so yeah in terms of team that's how it, it is done it's not like we have separate separate teams yes there is a content team there is a social team there is a marketing team but we all work together from stage 1 till the time results have come in and we take away our uh, learning everyone's in it to together there are people leading certain projects but that's how we like to do it because otherwise it, we, you can't isolate one from the other it goes hand in hand mm-hmm. and especially like you know working in a such a sca- uh, scalable business model and a very young company uh, i i believe that business dynamics has also changed over time and it's extremely fast so uh, what what holds you guys down and you know cuz uh, newer companies tend to scale fast and fail faster so what is the dynamics between your team is it your product first or your culture comes next or is it your culture first then product so how does that how does that balance go in your company the 
Caratlin, we uh, they're very restless as a brand and uh, internally also. They're very restless. They're constantly experimenting. We're constantly like looking to do new things, and uh, I think that's what keeps us all on our toes, you know. Uh, and our customers see that also because we're always doing something different, and we just don't stop. Um, and that and that's the best part because you think of a jewelry brand and you think of like you know just launching like very pretty designs and you make money out of it and people are looking good and that's all but there's a lot of innovation that goes into the kind of designs that uh, we make and but i think at the core of caratlin's uh, dna that that element of always wanting to innovate uh is very strong so even at like we because we want to make jewelry accessible we want to make it affordable we just don't want it to be like a one time thing right so how do you then really make that piece of ring or that piece of necklace or whatever affordable to someone you need to think of different design techniques you need to think of how uh differently can you uh, craft it you know so they they come out our design team they are constantly looking at you know working with different techniques we just launched something called the adjustable ring where it's one ring but it sort of fits up to three sizes and that's just like it blew people's minds off because nobody's ever done that you know before and it just solves so many uh, problems where Operation no if it's a ring i need to come to the store and try you know like yeah. it's been 10 years of listening to people say that now yeah. um and you think of like lo- large pieces of gold jewelry and you think it's heavy but we came out with a technique where you can make really large pieces of gold jewelry and it would still be super light to to wear and you can wear it all through the day so uh i think that's what makes us and that's what sets us apart you know and now we're 109 stores and and i think um, that makes a lot of sense especially with the ring example you're showing here because i think yeah. your inventories can also be managed better and it goes low on your material holding as well so yeah. yes and uh, how's your feedback loop like when you launch a product and uh, how do you acquire these feedbacks and cuz I, i do believe like getting realistic market feedback is also quite difficult yeah. running a, a startup like yours so give us some insight we're constantly in touch with our consumers this if you're standing at our store for even 5 minutes you're already like gathering a lot of information uh, so all the teams all of us we spend a lot of time at least we try to you know with at least calling up a couple of customers and or visiting our stores and just like standing there and seeing what they're asking for how is it that someone is making a decision we try observing all of this and we have uh people who actively engage in consumer insights and we have a uh a team our um sales team are experts who day in and day out they're speaking to consumers so everything is sort of documented and passed on internally also you know like if we're coming out with a collection and the merch team knows what people are talking about um marketing team knows about it too and we try speaking to um, customers as well so uh it might not be at the scale at which i'd want at least personally i want to be speaking to more and more people but uh we try we try our best awesome and uh so going back to the framework i mean your individual frameworks like you know what would you like to 
tell the world when you know if you, if you probably have a billboard out uh, in public what would you like to probably post on that you know breathe mm-hmm. breathe yeah breathe just breathe i think we we underestimated so much and this i've started realizing after i started doing uh, yoga but breathing is super important like just paying attention and taking that one deep breath can actually make a huge difference you know and i just like thankfully i know a couple of kickass type designers read <laughs> 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 in different languages also for me but uh, yeah i think i would just say that you know we're all hustling we're yeah. all multiple things and yeah. i think uh, we need to it takes a second really So yeah, all- I mean I mean since you spoke about that I mean I I am sort of getting into that phase where I'm trying to figure out my balance and trying to see uh working on you know personal development and trying to like you know uh get your routine right get get your happiness right and then everything so so what are your routines like that keep you sane um yeah. work wise personal wise profession social yeah I think it's taken me years of uh, having the most horrible uh, routine to get to a place where you know I I have some kind of balance now uh, because how it used to be was just everything all over the place like calls would go on till whenever I would sleep or wake up whenever like no nothing there was absolutely nothing but uh, there was a time when I burnt out completely where for eight months I didn't really do anything you know about that. so after that is when i realize i cannot compromise on my health yeah so now um one very strict rule that i have for myself whether it's professional or personal is uh, unless it's very important i won't like just keep doing things right like it has i have to have a schedule and i need to be able to respect my own time before i start expecting others to do that so i've started to sort of uh, plan a lot more in advance for things and uh, and by that i mean like every friday i take a look at how my next week is going to be and whatever meetings need to be scheduled i'll uh, try scheduling all of that call me a control freak but i feel like it it really works and um also we live in times when you know you're constantly on calls like you're just on calls all the time and i'm also always complaining about this but um, i try blocking out at least one hour of the day in advance every single day just for myself and lunch time 1 to 2 is a strict no no for me to have calls with anyone because you need to show your people that you are drawing boundaries for to ex- in order to expect them to draw those boundaries with you so i feel like that was very important and uh one thing that that helped me is to ensure that i get at least 7 hours of sleep every day you know uh, going to bed early and waking up early and by early i mean like not as early as janish and you but uh, <laughs> waking up by 6:30 a.m. at least has helped me and uh before i start work i like to have at least four things done you know so that gives me a sense of uh pace for the day as well and it helps me gauge how much of uh, energy i have for the day absolutely so, 
yeah just having that routine helps yeah i i think people really underestimate the power of sleep and just breathing as you said yeah. taking a break during your day and it's extremely yeah. important i think also unwind. it's very important to assess where you're at um take, like you said take a breath and like just figure out where your mindset is yeah. at because otherwise it's a constant yeah. like 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 a wheel that is constantly running and you're not stopping and thinking yeah. and i yeah. see that transition from for you i see it now because i remember yeah. the time when you used to be the hamster and constantly running around <laughs> and because 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 i because i message you now and then you you like uh, prioritize timing to like on whatsapp and i think even like sending a mail for 30 ms like you said it might go into my like uh, what bin did you call it lesser priority bin the priority bin <laughs> <laughs> yeah well yeah no 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 that's that's good because you know this uh, taking a break and keeping uh, your less a priority as 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 a side track let gives you a bigger picture on what you're doing and gives you a macro point of view on how your processes are going to be laid out with yes. time so that's extremely insightful yeah and and just one thing like the power of working out i think that's very important absolutely and people uh, and by working out you don't need to go to like an expensive gym yeah. or whatever it can be anything and that's what the lockdown taught me that you know i don't need to be dependent on gym and equipment or whatever it's just movement at the end of the day because we're sitting like this you know throughout the day and you should give your body some kind of outlet yeah. you know because it goes back into your mind and then it really helps and for me that worked a lot like yes and and, and uh, like like i completely agree because covid also made that change with me because yeah. i would always think that i need to go somewhere to work out but end of the day yes. it's about dedicating time for yourself to do that yes. and sticking to it and 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 like when you're saying about your body and your mind i think it also has a lot to do with like mental health um yes. and and like like for me it's very important like i've realized how much of a difference it's made and so what's been your favorite book so far and cuz now that i know you, you you read quite a bit madhu reads a lot uh, yeah <laughs> she's a good person to go no. for like yeah see that's my bookshelf one part of my bookshelf and you uh, like do, you, do you replace book do you rotate them and give it off or how how does it go do you keep going no back i don't give out give out my book okay. to people because mm-hmm. i feel like you should have your own relationship with a book you know and what's there in a book for me is very personal like it's mine like what i've underlined what i've written it's all for me so i don't give it out but um, my favorite book uh, there are two books that uh, made a mark in my life one is um, shantaram oh wow i think i read it at a time uh, it just changed a lot for me and i've always said life before and after shantaram and mm-hmm. you know the bombay dream everything like happened at that time and uh, the godfather okay i've not read think, the godfather yeah yeah for me uh, reading and watching godfather just as a story uh, everything i it helps a lot uh, when you're doing your own thing also like there's a lot of business lessons which i didn't know at that point but it so it just put all those thoughts in my head Yeah. And Shantaram is also my most gifted book to people. So I started off ah. really, yeah, Shantaram at a very young age was gifted by a friend to me 
and yeah. the whole leopold's holes in my head like you know yes. like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes and i also got a signed copy by him uh, sometime back <gasps> yeah another Yo. friend of for me yes um yeah and godfather of course i watched it like at least multiple times over the years because it does teach you a lot about business about your discipline about what a family yeah. means to you and what your tribe means to you and and the whole point of starting this podcast itself is that there's no tribe mentality and tribe culture which is happening around entrepreneurship or anybody who is going to just want to stand by themselves right so yeah. 30 minute hustle was brought into picture because of that so yeah i'm glad you are part of this and you're contributing and uh, yeah because you know at one point i used to think i wish i had people to tell me these things you know yeah. so um i feel like you all are doing a great job with 30 minutes hustle for that because uh, i realized that that lots of people also want to talk and lots of people want to tell their yeah. stories and and by telling yeah. their own stories you're also realizing and you're also understanding the other person's perspective yeah. and yeah. each one is going through their own cycle whether you're an entrepreneur whether you're in a company at a particular position whether you're doing nothing yeah. and and following your passion and and doing something about it and and yeah and i felt that you know like we felt that we should do like uh, young people young professionals and and also like 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 people who are uh, doing what they really love doing you know yeah yeah no totally i think that's very important stories need to be told yeah. madhu i forgot to ask you another question hmm. sorry to cut you off there what does money mean to you <laughs> I've had a very weird relationship with uh, money. I remember uh, just quickly I'll tell you about this one time when um it gone for career counseling, you know who doesn't go for it. Uh, <laughs> Was that recommended and, um, by your parents? Yes. In <laughs> okay. Delhi, uh they very like well reputed the uh, lady I forget her name now, but uh, yeah, so uh, she had asked us to prioritize Stuff, right and right at the bottom of it like i hadn't realized money was right at the bottom for me it was always i don't know gratification something 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 and then money but i also realized that i'm a very high maintenance person <laughs> 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 so like it could be very simple things but there was a time when soon after that once for the first time uh, amma sent me to buy groceries when i was in school because she was in well and i came back with such a huge bill you know and she was like what did you get and she saw i bought these two uh, jars of jam which costed much more than anything else put together in that list that she had given me and she was like never again am i sending you to buy groceries so that's when i realized that um, money is a very important means to an end for me it's not my goal but it's definitely a mean for me and i do know that i enjoy a lot of pleasures in life um and i've also grown up like that you know my parents have never not given anything or they've never said no ever so i want to be able to do that for myself so that sense of financial independence that i have now is in a way it uh full it, it it's very fulfilling so yes it's not my goal but it's definitely my means to so and, many and, and i and i surely think we should also be very grateful for the fact that we've been privileged enough to be given yes. that sort of like an upbringing um yes. and just be like aware, and just be like grateful 
for it itself and and it yeah. helps you like understand you know money yeah uh, itself and and value money itself you know like yeah. I, I i feel like a lot of people are sort of understanding it but there are uh, the major chunk of people don't even uh, yeah no right yeah and i no, believe totally. like and i believe it also goes back to your schooling right like in schools we are not taught about how to manage money and how to conduct a business how 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 this oh, yeah. whole system works so we are just put down into the world to do everything ourselves yeah. like for example you go going and buying the uh, buying the jam mm-hmm. itself right so yeah. we need to be taught such experiences very early yeah. on in our lives i believe and yeah. schooling systems needs to also be designed around it and yeah, yeah. that is my two cents definitely money. yeah definitely yeah so all the hustle is to make yeah. money is at the end of the day and after talking to you today about books i think uh, 30 minutes hustle should really launch a book club where we probably like yes. get together and probably we could uh, use your library in the corner there for sure we have a book club <laughs> internally and we do reading sessions uh, once in a while um, so i'll call you guys for the next one when that happens yeah I really enjoyed this conversation with you Madhu and uh, really insightful and I'm going to take a lot back. I have a few more questions for oh, Madhu. Please, like go yeah, ahead. like yeah. fun questions like okay so we we were going to we were going to ask what are your unusual habits? I just feel like what is normal in what I do <laughs> because uh, uh, I'm now trying to be like uh, having a more normalized lifestyle. So I don't know what my is that unusual normal lifestyle. Yeah, unusual? that feels very unusual to me. You know, having a routine and sticking by it feels very unusual to me. But I'm getting um, used to it. Uh, yeah. So maybe the one thing is that as much as I am a people person, uh, and uh, you know, everyone knows me as this extrovert, but I'm also extremely very, very, very shy. Like. very shy and i i never know when that happens like there could be, there have been times when i walked into rooms and i've just been like silent like i've just been quiet and it's not a perk or a habit but that's one very unusual thing about me which people just refuse to believe um like i Does can it? walk in and i can talk but i'd have all these butterflies in my stomach and i'm still like very shy sometimes you know so <laughs> uh it's very difficult to believe but yeah it's that, that. does it taken uh, depend on the surrounding or the room you're in or is it like general i don't know sometimes it's like what energy i pick up on but uh sometimes it just comes over me i'm like interesting will i see something not be anything that pressure to speak is also there on me that pressure to make conversations because somehow people just end up relying on me to yeah. you know get it going and i feel like that sometimes very stressful for me you know what like like i i also felt this a lot and then like at one point of time what i did was to myself i said like like a challenge i'm just going to go into a space and then put myself mm-hmm. in a situation where i when i don't want to make conversation i'm not going to make conversation Yeah. Like just be like very uncomfortable yeah. with being yourself, and then what happens is at yeah. that point of time you realize that it's not really necessary for you to make conversation. It's like just fine to be in a space and just soak things in, yeah. you know. Sometimes also. Yeah, yeah. I think you're right. That uh, feeling of I think we ourselves are uncomfortable with that, and that's we are very uncomfortable right. with silence. And and yeah. And, <laughs> 
I think silence is fine. I, that sort of taught yeah. me like okay with myself being silent, right? Yeah. Um, because yeah. because uh, otherwise you constantly trying to like talk to someone or put yourself in a place where you're yeah. sort of like thinking what the other person is thinking and you have to say something for it. Whereas yeah. you don't really have to. Yeah. You throw the ball back at them. <laughs> That's true. Let's see. But I also wanted to ask you because uh, I know we've, we've spoken a lot about this. But what is your yeah. relationship with like mental health? I couldn't hear you, Danish. But my relationship <laughs> with mental health uh, is a newfound uh, one. I think. Um, so my sister, she did psychology, and um, I, she's helped me a lot because you know when you start your own thing, and at that time for me, especially during post work, I was experiencing so many different emotions, feelings. I was uh, learning a lot. My I, everything was just like you know all over the the place. But um, when that burnout happened, uh, sometime in 2018, is when I actually realized that I have to. take care of my health and i don't now differentiate between mental health and physical health for me both are the same i've seen that when i'm physically fit i'm also mentally a lot uh, better and when i'm and vice versa right so uh, that's why now i've started like actively like i journal before i start working out and before i start meditating because for me it's a part of working out my journaling is now a part of my working out um it's it's a way of taking care of yourself so i don't see or i don't differentiate between the two but it's been a long and a difficult uh, journey and that's where you know your first question on support system really made a difference for me because i remember uh my mom just like amma just being like no today you are going for therapy and she literally put me in the car and took me to the therapist and she waited outside you know, till i got done and she did that for my first three four uh, sessions where she would just come and wait because i would refuse to you know leave yeah even i think it's very important that that we take our mental health very seriously um Yeah, I mean, it's, it's difficult okay to, to ask for help. Yeah, yeah, it's very okay. Like I, I remember like talking to you about it when I was at a phase and we met at Bombay yeah. and we were talking about, it, and then yeah. you put me in touch with your life coach, and then I spoke yeah. to him, and then I got perspective, and it wasn't like I, I don't know, I, I didn't realize yeah. whether I needed it or not, and then he also was genuine enough to give me uh, some sort of feedback, and uh, yeah, yeah, I think. Uh, i think that's like super important and and even for me that's and for everyone it's very important that we are also sort of disciplined towards it because uh, many a times we sort of tend to wean away and and take it for granted and then we easy don't realize to, you know neglect it but the muscle uh, because it's comfortable it's the easier thing to do but uh, i think it's extremely important and you have to show up for yourself every day that the most important thing and for me doing that those few things in the morning is a way of telling myself that look i'm showing up for you you know um and you have to be there for yourself i've realized that you can't just expect the world to be there for you at all times that's super inspiring yeah <laughs> yeah so, all right pranav you got any 
since I write before. a lot about mental health on my you Instagram do? stories. Yeah, I have some. We wanted to ask you about. Please, anything. please do send us your links yeah. so that you know we'll be we'll be uh, putting in a lot of hyperlinks in this uh, in this episode, sure. so that sure. our audience can always. Reach but what is your what is your what yeah. is your writing about on mental health? Is it just your journey or is it your your perception? My or? journey and. Okay. I think when I first started, uh, when I first wrote about it on World Mental Health Day two years ago, so many people had responded to me. I I did not expect that. I just expressed, you know, and uh, I realized how many people like I'm no expert in this. I can only speak for myself, and it should not be taken as the final say. But it's uh, I think people should normalize talking about mental health. people should just normalize talking about health in general you know it's okay to say that yes i was depressed when i say that sometimes people are like oh they have that look on their face like you said that and i'm like yeah it's fine it's it's normal you say i'm happy today you say i'm okay today you say i'm not okay today yeah i think that is super important something that i learned yeah. that you know when someone yeah. asks how you're doing today automatic answers yeah i'm good right Yeah. Uh, sometimes it's it's good to like think about it and give them a genuine answer about how you're actually yeah. feeling that particular day. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. and when you say say it out that you you know you've gone through this journey and plus you're depressed, it also empowers you ultimately. Because I do find yes. our weakness when we when we sh- you know like show the world that we are weak, it also empowers you at the same time. Yeah. I do certainly yeah. believe in that as well. Yeah. Totally, yeah. it's important. Very important. Okay. Awesome. Super, Thank super. you both. Thank you so much for your time, Madhu. I, I know it's precious. I haven't spoken so much about this at all. I think it's my first time, but it was great. Yeah, I think I think we're also trying to keep it fun, and we're also like sort of like jamming and and trying yeah. to see like yeah. trying to keep it fun and Love finding it. the groove. Yeah, and and yeah. I think we're also like we're very happy when when we're talking to people and you go out with a good feeling. That's all that I want. Yeah, or all of us want. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think that's important to have that uh, create that energy and space where you know you feel like you can just talk yeah. and not really filter. So that I awesome. felt that. Thank you. Super. So we'll thank you so much, Madhu. Thanks, Madhu. Okay, guys. Thank you for listening to the Thirty Minute Hustle podcast. You can follow us on Instagram for all our latest updates. Until next time, signing off. This is Pranab and my co-host Janish.